It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are seconds away from hearing the daily Locked On podcast you love, but I'd like to tell you about another podcast I think you'll like. Rejecting the Screen, hosted by NBA experts Noah Kozlov and Adam Stanko, features provocative interviews with NBA stars and unique perspectives from around the game. Subscribe to Rejecting the Screen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. It's Monday, so we're going to open up the mailbag. We've got questions about who should be the Warriors' backup point guard and if Andrew Wiggins can lead the second unit offense next season. But let's start with this question from Omar, who writes in, What are your top three $17.2 million trade exception candidates? I actually got a lot of questions about the traded player exception. The Warriors have created that TPE because of the deal that sent Andre Iguodala to Memphis last July. They now are able to absorb a salary within that $17.2 million range. Um, the, the tricky part is that they can't combine a salary on top of that, right? So you can't take, for example, the $17.2 million exception, combine, let's say, Kevon Looney's $5 million contract, and create a larger way to get a bigger salary. What you can do, however, is package this trade exception with draft picks. And the Warriors not only have what's going to be probably a top four pick in the draft, but they have a bunch of second rounders and things like that now after the trade deadline that they acquired. So they've got a lot of ways to add to this trade exception to make it a little bit more of an enticing uh, package for a team that is probably trying to get off some salary and also move up in the draft potentially if they were to add that that top four top five pick with it so I basically went through the entire league and went through every player who makes a a salary within that 17 point million dollar range and uh and who could be a viable target for the Warriors so um among those players and I put a list together here, I think there's three different tiers. I think there's a, a tier of players who would be worth the, the TPE plus the top five pick, a, a, another tier that is the TPE that is plus a first-round pick swap. So instead of just trading the top five pick, you would be trading the top five pick for the player and uh, another that team's first-round pick that is presumably lower than the Warriors or higher, however you want to define it, whatever. And then there's another tier of just the TPE only, which would be Basically, a, a way for one team to dump salary and, another, and a way for the Warriors to just use this traded player exception on somebody who can contribute right away. So let's start with that first tier that I described, the TPE plus the top five pick. I think there's three guys out there that make a lot of sense for the Warriors, make the most sense, I should say, for the Warriors. Uh, DeMontis Sabanis from the Pacers, Jonathan Isaac from the Orlando Magic, Kelly Oubre from the Phoenix Suns. These are three good young players who could be long-term pieces for the Warriors. You would trade that top five pick for them because you know that you're probably going to get more out of those guys than you would in what is largely considered a weak draft. So the only problem is that those players are good and they're young and their teams may not want to move off of them, especially in the case of Sabonis and Jonathan Isaac. You know, Those are the, the guys that the, the Pacers and the Magic, respectively, are sort of anchoring their, their future on. They're building 
their futures on those two guys. So it would something dr- dramatic would have to change between now and the draft for the for either the Pacers or the Magic to to roll the dice on that. And as far as Kelly Oubre, that was a deal I really liked before the Andrew Wiggins trade. Now I don't know that you want to allocate those sort of resources to a redundant position. I don't know that Oubre and Wiggins could play together. I don't know that Wiggins necessarily is who you want playing small ball four if Oubre is your other forward. Um, and I don't know if you want Oubre necessarily coming off the bench either. So um, maybe not the best allocation of resources. So uh, we move on to what to me is a kind of interesting idea, the TPE and a first-round pick swap. So if the Warriors have this top four or five pick, they could trade that pick for a player plus another pick, right? And the list here is pretty interesting. You've got Ricky Rubio at $17 million. Then you look around the rest of the league, Eric Bledsoe, Dennis Schroeder, Will Barton, and J.J. Redick. All guys who I think could contribute immediately for the Warriors, add a good veteran presence to the Warriors for a team that is trying to vault back into contention immediately. While also, if you look at this list, providing playmaking, especially for when Stephen Curry is on the bench. So I... To me, look, Schroeder has been a nice fit for Oklahoma City. I don't know that they necessarily want to make this type of move, um, although they they could. You're probably getting a mid-first-round pick back with Schroeder. I wouldn't mind that. My only issue with a guy like Schroeder uh, is that I don't know how versatile he is defensively. And uh, I don't know that you want to uh, invest $15.5 million into a backup point guard if you're the Warriors. And by the way, Steph Curry will be the highest-paid player in the league next season. Do you want to really spend that much money at your point guard position for two guys who can't really play next to each other? Now, Shooters played well next to Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Chris Paul in Oklahoma City, but both, like, Shea is really long. Chris Paul is incredibly good defensively in a way that Steph Curry never will be. And so I think they are able to to do that. I don't know that you could play Schroeder and, and Curry next to each other in crunch time. So to spend $15, $16 million on a guy who you can't necessarily play next to Curry when the game is when it matters most, uh, may, not, may not be the smartest thing to do. The same thing goes for Will Barton. He's a little he's, he's longer. I don't love him defensively. Uh, he's a little bit streaky. Seems like a, a bit of an overpay at $14 million. Don't love that. J.J. Redick, I mean, the, the floor spacing is incredible, but to how much more floor spacing do you really need? And then a guy like Redick, you still have those defensive concerns. So we end up back with Ricky Rubio and Eric Bledsoe. I, I like both. I like both ideas. My only problem with Eric Bledsoe is that he always fades in the playoffs. And look, that may not be the case if he's playing with the Warriors and he's asked to do less. I think he's he's obviously got the size, the length, and the defensive acumen to play next to Steph Curry. So you don't have that issue that you had with a Dennis Schroeder, for example. He could be a secondary ball handler. He could shoot a bit from the outside. I, I, I like the Bledsoe fit. I also really like the Ricky Rubio fit. And the reason why the Rubio fit makes a little bit more sense is that it's more of a win-win for the Suns, too. I mean, I don't know if you're Milwaukee why you would want to move up in this draft. I mean, you could dump Eric Bledsoe's salary and then move up to get one of these top five players. But if you're the, if you're the Bucks, I think you're trying to show Giannis that you want to win now. Trading up in the trading one of your trading your starting point guard to move up into a draft and get a 20-year-old isn't necessarily showing Giannis that you're wanting to win now. So I don't see that as a logical move for the Bucks to make, but I do see this as a logical move for the Suns to make in treating Ricky Rubio to the Warriors. Rubio's been nice for them, but he's going to be 30 next year. This is a young team built around DeAndre Ayton and Devin Booker. There's a bunch of point guards at the top of this draft. It would make sense for the Suns to take Ricky Rubio and package maybe him and their late lottery pick. Let's call it, let's call it the 11th pick in the draft. 
Uh, let's say they, they are picking 11 or 12, and you've got Rubio. You move those those two pieces for the trade exception uh, to create some salary, but moreover to get a top three or four pick and take LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, one of these top uh, point guards in this draft. So you finally got the point guard to play next to Devin Booker. They've been looking for that guy for a very long time, and they could go get that in the draft. It's not a good draft, but it is deep with point guard talent. Uh, I think a guy like Anthony Edwards makes a lot of sense for Phoenix because of his potential defensively next to a guy like Devin Booker. You've got a lot of size now in the backcourt. You've got a lot of athleticism now in the backcourt. I think that could be a real dynamic duo for them. And Ricky Rubio, while, yeah, he's been nice for them, I don't know that he's a long-term fit, not a long-term answer there. Uh, And if you're the Warriors, you get a guy in Rubio who, yeah, does he have a shaky jumper? Of course. But that matters less when you're playing next to Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And he is a defense—he's versatile defensively. He can guard three different possessions. And from a passing standpoint, he's a genius. And so now you're adding some of that basketball IQ and that versatility and that playmaking that you lost uh, when when Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston left. So, yeah, I love the Rookie Rubio idea. I'll get to my thoughts on why I usually don't prefer to have a traditional backup point guard here. But this spring, follow your favorite baseball teams to Arizona for Cactus League spring training. With amazing weather and landscapes, exciting outdoor adventures, and incredible food, Arizona is the perfect home base for baseball fans. Arizona has one of a kind, a, a one-of-a-kind spring training experience. 10 stadiums, 15 Major League Baseball teams, and 75-degree temperatures. All 10 stadiums are within 50 miles of each other, so make it's making it easy for you to see as much of the action as possible. If you've ever been to spring training, you know that it gives you a great opportunity to meet the players and get autographs before the game. And then after the games, check out the amazing restaurants and bars nearby. Enjoy live music from local and national artists and a great nightlife overall. Plus, Arizona is known for its incredible landscapes and thrilling outdoor adventures. Go on hikes, hot air balloon rides, or skydiving, or you can even go jet skiing. Or just take in that beautiful Arizona sunset. No matter what you love to do, Arizona has you covered. And if you're bringing the kids along, Arizona is a fantastic destination for families with family-friendly resorts and hotels that offer plenty of fun for kids of all ages, from water parks to horseback rides to games and other organized activities. So plan your spring training getaway at visitarizona.com slash springtraining. That's visitarizona.com slash springtraining. Is there anything more craveable than the smell of McDonald's fries? If someone's hiding an order of fries, they're never hiding it well. It takes one whiff to trigger a fry craving that will only be satisfied the McDonald's way. So stand up if you would like to taste the smell of a McDonald's fry right now. Did you just stand? Because if you did, then you earned yourself a trip to the McDonald's drive through for your own steamy carton of crispy golden goodness. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This next question comes from Rudy, who writes in, Rather than find a traditional point guard for a backup, would another point forward be favorable to exploit the mismatches and help Draymond Green play more minutes with Steph Curry? This is a really good question, and it's one that I... uh, It kind of hits a topic that I've been pretty passionate about as far as roster construction goes. Um, There seems to be a belief uh, with fan bases that you need a backup point guard, like a traditional six foot, six one, six two backup point guard, a guy who could just run your offense when your starter is on the bench. And I I just disagree with that fundamentally. I, I think that there are a lot of coaches right now who are forward looking, who are um, inventive, who are not using traditional backup point guards because what a what a a traditional point guard like that takes off the table is oftentimes worse than what 
he brings to the table. I, yeah, you get a guy who can run your offense and you can who can you know facilitate and play make and just run your traditional pick and roll and things like that. But you're also getting a player who is typically not very versatile defensively because of his size, who uh, can become a liability on that end, and who probably isn't as good as your starter offensively to make up for that. I mean, Steph Curry is below average to average defensively, but he more than makes up for that because of what he could do on offense. A guy like Lou Williams is the same thing to a lesser degree, but he's so efficient running pick and roll and scoring for the Clippers that it's okay that he's not good defensively. And they obviously have guys around him, like the Warriors do with Curry, who make up for that. But if you're if you're balling if your backup point guard isn't a uh, high level contributor, isn't a borderline starter level type of point guard in the first place, then I don't think that you it's worth investing that uh, into that sort of player, at least in heavy rotation minutes, maybe worth having him on the bench somewhere as your as you know 12, 13, 14th guy, but not necessarily in your key top nine, top ten rotation. I would rather have a guy like Draymond Green or a, or a point forward who, yeah, he may not be as natural as a playmaker traditionally, but brings so much more to the table defensively that you don't have to worry about it as much. And that I think that is a more valuable player than just your traditional point guard um at least your traditional backup point guard so i look at it this way i i I think that unless the warriors can actually get a guy like ricky rubio who is he he's a traditional point guard in in one sense but defensively he's so good that and he's got such a long wingspan he's so versatile that you don't worry about that i think you need a guy like who can guard his position multiple positions um like rubio and by the way rubio is a starter level a high level starter at point guard if you can get a guy like that i think you do and if you can get a guy who more importantly for the warriors can play next to steph curry you can do that but if you can't if you can't then i think you do need to look at that point forward option and a guy to me who makes a lot of sense is evan turner and i i know guys don't really like evan turner um i've talked about him before but he's been in the league for a long time and he's he's beloved in every locker room he goes in um he's a professional he can give you he he can handle the ball quite a bit he played back a point guard for the boston celtics a, a few years ago and that was maybe the best season he's ever had in his career and if you can kind of reprise that role a little bit for him and then allow him to be versatile defensively which he is you know he's six foot seven he's long um he's been in the league for a long time he's been in a number of playoff games i think that that works a guy like that works for the warriors more than just finding um you know, your next, you know, Quinn Cook or whoever it's going to be who just is, is so bad defensively that you can barely play him in a playoff series. And that's really what we're talking about here is who do you trust in a playoff series to be out there? And so often we've, we've seen guys like Quinn Cook just get burned over and over and over again, and you're, he's unplayable. So now you don't even have that backup point guard that you allocated that resource to in the first place. So Go get a versatile guy. Go get a guy who's like Andre Iguodala or Sean Livingston. These guys who may not be, quote-unquote, your backup point guard, but can enter the game when Steph Curry's on the bench and just run your offense and keep things moving until Curry comes back, which is really, those are the minutes you're going to win the game. So maybe it's Ricky Rubio. Maybe it's not. If you can't go that route, then I do think you go the Evan Turner route. You go Draymond Green light. You go in that direction. Because, like Rudy said, you also want another one of those Draymond Green type players because you want Draymond Green and Steph Curry playing as many minutes as possible with each other because that two-man game is so devastating and because they're not going to have Kevin Durant next year and because they're going to have to probably lean on the Curry-Draymond pick-and-roll two-man game more than maybe they ever have. And so you want those guys playing as many minutes as possible together. 
I'll get to the final few questions in a lightning round next. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Adobe. At CDW, we get your organization can be demanding. We know you're in there. I know. The marketing team's outside my office. They want their Adobe update now. With Adobe's value incentive plan, deployed by the experts at CDW, you can quickly and easily manage software subscriptions for the whole team. On Acrobat and Creative Cloud? All included. Cool. Guys, I'm coming out. Don't hurt me. For a satisfied digital workforce, you need Adobe and IT orchestration by CDW. People who get it. Find out more at cdw.com adobe. Today, every answer matters more than ever before. Because whether it's about health, deliveries, or finance, some things just can't wait. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage millions of calls, texts, and chats with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to help your customers find the answers they need faster, no matter the industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit ibm.com slash Watson Assistant to learn more. This question comes from John who writes in, Next year, would Andrew Wiggins be a good player to provide offense for the second unit? The Warriors have always had trouble with that. Um, it depends on what you mean by this, John. Look, I, I think that Wiggins, the Warriors like the fact that Wiggins is a 20-plus point per game score. Was he inefficient? Yes. There are, there's, you need to trim fat away from his game, and they already have. He's taking fewer mid-range shots than ever in his three games with the Warriors. Um, I think it does seem like a pretty natural fit, and I've been shocked by how seamless it has been early. But, you know, he also has experience running pick-and-roll and isolation type of offenses in Minnesota, so when Curry and Green are on the bench, maybe you do ask him to do that. Now, personally, I wouldn't want him to do that. I think that's why you go get a guy like Rubio or, or a point forward off the bench to provide some of that playmaking and allow Andrew Wiggins to play a, still a more complimentary role, a, a way where you know allowing him to play off the ball and cut to the basket and, and do all these things against a bent defense that he's already so good at that we're seeing right now, uh, I think that's probably the best use of Andrew Wiggins, but he could carry your offense as far as a scoring uh, perspective goes. I, I think we could see a lot of Andrew Wiggins plus bench type units next year. Um, if you keep Curry and Draymond Green together as a duo, then you can have Wiggins paired with Klay Thompson together as a duo. Klay Thompson is not going to run your offense, but he's going to spread the floor a lot for Andrew Wiggins, right? So he's going to spread the floor a lot. He's going to create space for Wiggins to do what he does best, which is cut to the rim and use his athleticism to finish around the basket at, at a very efficient rate. So I think there is a it, all these questions are sort of uh, related to each other because if you can have Wiggins and Clay Thompson paired together when and, when uh, when Curry and Green are on the bench and then you add a point forward a playmaker to that trio to that to that Wiggins Clay Thompson plus ball handler versatile ball handler all of a sudden you got an interesting offense um, even without even without Curry and Draymond Green out there who and. And as John said, I mean, this has been a problem for the Warriors in the past. These Those minutes with that, when Curry is on the bench have typically been big minuses for Golden State. So if you can find a way to, you know, get back to par with that, uh, that's going to be huge uh, for the Warriors going forward. To me, that was D'Angelo Russell's biggest asset before they traded him was he can run your offense and he can create offense for you when Curry is on the bench in a way that they've never had, the way in a way that they've never had with Curry on the bench. But... Andrew Wiggins can still at least provide some of that scoring. This next question comes from at NoCap757 on Twitter. Will the Warriors send Alan Smilagic back down to the G League after this season to continue his development? 
Look, I, I, I think that this last game before the All-Star break in Phoenix was probably Alan Smilagic's worst game as a professional. He was just always out of place. He didn't know where he was going. He was running into teammates all the time. I mean, he's still really raw. And look, man, I love his I love his talent, his instincts, his natural basketball feel. are very. It, it's all very high level, but he's still 19 years old, and he just doesn't know what he's doing out there. And look, it's, it's fun, and it's nice during this losing season to go get this guy some minutes and some extended playing time, but it doesn't change the fact that he's he's a ways away from playing meaningful minutes for a contending team. And the Warriors want to contend next year. They're not going to want to waste minutes uh, dealing with sort of this Alan Smiley Geach uh, experience, him feeling out his, the NBA level. So I do think he's going to spend a significant amount of time in the G League next year, maybe more time than he even has this year, just given that, yeah, he'll be 20 years old, but... Uh, there's gonna the the Warriors will presumably presumably be a lot deeper and less willing to bear those minutes where he just doesn't know what's going on. Um, it's not this is not a criticism or an attack on him. I think he's going to be a really good player for them. But pro- we're probably looking you know a year or two away. You know we're going to probably wait until Alan Smiley is at least 21, 22 years old to really play meaningful minutes. I, I, he's Everybody I talked to in the Warriors just continued to preach, even when he was showing flashes earlier this season. This guy's a this is a long term project. We're thinking three and four years down the road until he really bursts onto the scene. So that is what I would keep in mind if you're a Warriors fan. He'll still get minutes. You'll still see him get called up every once in a while just for developmental purposes and in the in the situations where they're dealing with injuries at the center position, but he's 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 got some work to do still. He, he's a late bloomer. He didn't start playing basketball until he was older. Um, and I think the G League is, is where he needs to sort of hone his skills and really get a feel for what you know this team basketball is like and playing within a team concept because right now he just doesn't. Right now he just takes the ball and you know barrels to the rim. I mean, the guy plays like a bull in a china shop. And uh, it's, it's again, it's cool, but uh, not great if you're trying to actually win games. Last question comes from Jack who writes in, if Marquise Chris keeps playing like he has in these recent games, is he the starting center next year? And the answer to that's pretty simple, Jack. Yeah, he is. If he's playing like this over the last few games, then yeah, he's definitely your starting center. And look, I wouldn't be shocked if you had a three, uh, you know, you had you had three guys in your center rotation next year. If Marquise Chris was your starter, uh, playing probably twenty-eight-ish minutes a game, Kevon, Kevon Looney comes off the bench playing twenty. And there's your 48 minutes at center, and you can even go. You can cut back on Marquise or or Kavon's minutes there. You know, you can have Marquise play 25 minutes, Mar- uh, uh, Kavon Looney play 15, 20 minutes, and then you know you have a. We know that the Warriors are going to go out and get a traditional big man, a seven footer, a Zaza Pachulia type who can bang bodies with those more traditional seven footers. When you play those guys every four or five games in the league, so you go get that guy and play that guy as many minutes as necessary based on the matchup. And then, of course, you're going to have you know some Draymond Green at center minutes, too, when they go small for a couple minutes at the end of each half. So uh, I think that's going to be your center rotation. It's going to be Marquise Chris starting, as long as he's playing like this. Gavon Looney coming off the bench, as he has. And uh, a traditional big there when you need him. And then a few minutes a game with Draymond Green playing small ball center. And, uh, yeah. I, and, look, that's a, that's a pretty good center rotation to have next year. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Lockdown Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're on iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Thanks for listening, and thanks for everybody who submitted mailbag questions. We'll do this every Monday. You can submit questions on Twitter at me, at WC Goldberg. 
San Jose Sharks hockey is back, and we've got you covered five days a week at Locked On Sharks. I'm Kyle Demetrius. I'm J.D. Young. I'm Eric Fowle. And together we make sure you're never without your Sharks programming. Will the Sharks make a trade for a right winger? We got you covered. Will Eric Carlson's groin hold up for the entire season? We've got you covered. Whatever happens with Team Teal every day, we've got you covered at Locked On Sharks five days a week on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Josh Lloyd, the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world. If you're looking for information regarding fantasy basketball, recaps of the NBA, this is the show for you. We are heading into the offseason and starting to get ready for the 2020-2021 fantasy season. We'll have all the information on what happens through the rest of the playoffs, free agency, the NBA draft, and then heading into a big 2021 season. So make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast.